There are very few things that investors can do that are free. But what about a podcast that delivers educational content on investing, saving strategies, financial planning, topical items of interest, and maybe even the odd wacky topic? Welcome to Free Lunch, hosted by the CM Group. Free Lunch will bring listeners the team's vast knowledge and experience in dealing with uncertainty to help clients achieve their vision through a deep understanding of what is important to them that requires planning, money, and time. Learn more and subscribe today at markets-work.com. Welcome back to the Free Lunch Podcast with Greg and Colin. Greg, good to be here again. It is. I think it's episode 194-ish, something like that. Okay, yeah. And we're calling this one Dumb or Dumber Money. Do you ever watch the movie Dumb and Dumber? I did. That's one of my favorites of all time. Very funny movie. My favorite scene is when they get into the snowball fight and he just whips the snowball at her. Do you remember that scene? That just kills me. Anyways, I actually like the scene where they just ran off the jet gateway and the plane wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) And they just end up flat on the ground. I might have to watch that again soon. Greg, last week we talked about leadership principles and we used a show, not Dumb and Dumber. We used Ted Lasso as a framework for that discussion. Mm -hmm. And that was an interesting discussion for me selfishly because I did study leadership And I was in Victoria not too long ago, and I had dinner with some of my classmates, and we had a discussion just off the cuff about investing. And one of the people, who's a very bright person, said to me that she feels like she should know more about investing than she does. She's educated. She's got a master's degree. She works in a senior position in a company, and she just feels like a bit of an imposter in that she doesn't really have a good understanding of how investing works. And I don't know, I feel like this is pretty common. There's a lot of people out there that just, they hear the words, but they don't necessarily know what it means, right? Or sometimes they work with somebody who talks in finance language and doesn't bother to make it real. So they have investment portfolios, but they don't really know what they are, what's in them. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. I also recently watched a movie called Dumb Money. And yeah. have you seen that I have money? not seen it yet. You should watch it. I will. You should watch it. It's the story about the GameStop squeeze, which this is going to be one of those areas that somebody will see in the news about a short squeeze on a company, and they probably don't know what that means. Yeah, exactly. And maybe they feel like they should, right? So, But the focus of this movie on the GameStop squeeze was at the end of the movie, not to give any spoilers here, but... The part that irks me is this narration we're given, which talks about the events of this short squeeze by retail investors through an online chat forum and how it has forever changed how Wall Street works. Like forever. Yeah. I just don't believe that to be true. Exactly. Yeah. Hard to believe that it's true, right? Yeah. It was a movie about a singular event that would be next to impossible to repeat in its exact form. Yeah. And if you look at where we are today... Are people talking about, you know, short squeezes and pushing up and Reddit and all these things that you're going to be talking about? No, it's just business as usual. We're more concerned about inflation and wars and things like that. There were some interesting words or phrases that came out of the GameStop short squeeze. First of all, we got to hear short squeeze quite a bit, but things like diamond hands, paper hands, stonks. (laughs) Do you remember that one? I like stonks. (laughs) That was like somebody wrote on the forum, like instead of stocks, they call it stonks. I don't know why. But diamond hands is something that means like you will never sell the stock. Okay. You have to have diamond hands to carry it to the moon. Paper hands is somebody that's given up and has sold the stock. 
So on these forums, they use a different language. But anyways, I'm getting off topic, but I guess it's kind of fun. Dumb Money, the movie. Let's talk about that. It plays like a fable of the rich versus the poor. And so you see this all the time, right? When they talk about the stock market in general, it's portrayed as a story of good versus evil. And in the movie, Dumb Money, it talks about how the good guys won, which is interesting that one side would be declared the good guys and one side the bad guys. But in this case, it talks about the small investor, right? It's based on a true story. This actually happened. It follows a group of investors from this Reddit page, which is just a social media platform. And it was called Our Wall Street Bets. And it was led by this guy named Keith Gill, a real person. You can look him up. So it follows this short squeeze on two hedge funds that had been certain that stocks like GameStop and another one I think you were going to mention, AMC, would fail. And it follows this beginning of a digital movement. So the prelude of the film begins with this panicked financial analyst, a guy named Gabe Plotkin, I believe is his name. And he's getting called by a cohort to dial in to a weird stock craze called a short squeeze. And just some background here. So GameStop itself, the company, was a struggling brick-and-mortar video game retailer that many people, if they walk around any of the malls in Calgary or their cities, will probably have seen that store. Well, they would have seen EB Games. EB Games, that's right. Which was the Canadian version of GameStop. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, so this company was facing declining sales because of things like digital downloads and online competition. And many brick-and-mortar stores are having a hard time surviving due to the explosion of consumers simply shopping online. And of course, at the time that all of this came down, we were in the COVID shutdown. And so, of course, many retailers were just, there was no retail traffic at all. So when you run into a sector like that, struggling retailers, there are some market participants who will bet that those particular companies will fail. And so they short the stock. And short selling just means you're selling a stock you don't actually own. You borrow it, you sell it, you collect the money, and your bet is that the prices are going to go down. And then you'll be able to buy it back at a lower price. So the goal of stock picking is always to buy low and sell high. And short sellers just do it in the reverse order. They sell what they believe is high and they try to buy it back at a lower price. Yeah. You can see all kinds of examples of companies that have gone through this, like Blockbuster would be Mm -hmm. one that Mm -hmm. a lot of listeners would be familiar with. Sure. I mean, you can't find a Blockbuster in the world because who rents DVDs anymore? That's right. Right? Yeah. Anyways, in the movie, this guy, Keith Gill, has a YouTube channel and his tagline or his name on the YouTube channel is Roaring Kitty. Right. (laughs) Don't know where he got that one from. No, interesting. But he gets a massive increase in popularity in the show and in real life because he basically was able to simplify some of the nuances of this strategy and people could follow along with him. So he tracks obviously a lot of people to his platform that start following Roaring Kitty. And his investment methods, you know, they're massively successful. And it's all about going against the man or the bad guy. And this is just like Han Solo versus Darth Vader, but in the stock market, right? So the movie, they continuously show and follow Keith as he tells his followers that he's holding on to his stock. He has diamond hands. You don't have paper hands. You want to have diamond hands. He's holding on. He's buying GameStop shares. And 
the continued holding begins to scare some of these hedge funds that you mentioned because these hedge funds are shorting the stock. And so you have a bunch of people that are getting on this bandwagon with this roaring kitty that are piling into the stock and it's pushing the price up. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And the involvement of Reddit, so this social media platform, which you mentioned, I mean, basically retail investors and primarily from the subreddit, which you mentioned are Wall Street bets, organized a campaign to buy GameStop shares en masse. So they drove the price up and this caused a short squeeze. And the short squeeze, which I'll describe in a second, was partly fueled by the sentiment to challenge Wall Street institutions and take advantage of some perceived market inefficiencies. And so Wall Street bets was a key factor there. And social media and online platforms like Twitter and Discord also played a role in amplifying the movement. But the bottom line is that when short sellers are hoping a stock will go down in price so they can buy the stock back at a lower price, when all of a sudden the stock goes in the other direction, short sellers are faced with, theoretically anyway, an unlimited loss because they've sold the shares at price $10. And if the shares go up to $100 and they don't sell, they're on the hook for $90. So a short squeeze just means that you're forcing the short sellers to cover their short positions before it's too late and before they lose any more money. So in the movie, and by the way, I'm recommending that people watch this movie for sure, but I didn't find that it did a great job of sharing which is why we're doing this episode today, sharing some of the details. You know, like there's some pretty good movies out there that go into some of the details, like The Big Short was great because I talked about collateralized debt obligations and these things that would be like talking Greek to most people, right? But they used stars to explain it along the way. Yeah, yeah. There's some particularly (laughs) notable scenes in there that we won't discuss in here because it's a PG episode, but... In this movie, it didn't. So I just want to talk about it a little bit. So in the movie, the hedge funds, they're in denial about the success of this message board or this Reddit, our Wall Street bets message board. And so they just don't believe in this massive surge in popularity among the users. So instead of simply teaching people about stocks, Gil, the star of this story, is teaching them about fighting the powers that be. So it puts the loyalty in the followers who agree with his beliefs and just basically turns him into a social media star. So each character comes to the concept of stocks as an opportunity for a way out. And it's kind of interesting when you watch the movie because you can see people that don't have a lot of money have followed this story, put all of their life savings, which could be a few hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars, and now they're up tens of thousands of dollars, and in some cases, like half a million dollars, right? And you just pray that they'll sell just for their own good. Mm -hmm. Because most of the characters in the show come from very little financial resources. They have a lot of debt or things like that, right? So it is that story of good versus evil. Yep. Han Solo versus And and as you're going to mention, I mean, it's kind of ironically, the trading platform that most of these individual investors are using is called Robinhood. Yes, we are going to get into that. Yeah. Actually, just right now. Oh, okay. So this movement doesn't go unnoticed by the bigger funds, bigger firms, companies like, well, the one that gets bankrupted, Melvin Capital. They are the basis of the short. But there are other companies like Citadel Securities run by a guy named Ken Griffin Mm -hmm. that begin to be impressed by some of the movement from Melvin Capital because they have just doubled down. As the price goes up, they just keep shorting more stock 
Now, Citadel Securities is in a private partnership with Robinhood. And Robinhood is this trading platform that was launched that gave people the ability to trade for free. Right. Well, they say for free. That's right. And we talked about this on some previous podcasts back in the 2021 when this was so popular. Yeah. So not only did it allow people to trade for free, it allowed people to trade options for free. (laughs) So you have unsophisticated investors participating in a complicated investment strategy, purchasing options. So basically leverage, I guess. And you can just see how this is just going to not go well for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But Robinhood is run by these two fellas, Vlad and Baiju. And as the movement grows, this short squeeze grows, the star of the story, Gil, encourages people to hold their investments, to have diamond hands. And so it just fuels the other hedge funds to continue to short more stock. So these people's actions face kind of a moral quandary, especially when the system fights back. Yeah, exactly. So you want to talk about short selling a bit? Well, basically covered off the key problem for the big short sellers, which as you mentioned, specifically affected Melvin Capital. It's kind of like when stocks are going against you, you tend to not believe it. And what's interesting actually is that these hedge fund managers are affected by all of the psychological or behavioral biases that everybody else is. So a lot of these short sellers, when the stock doubled on the way up and they were thinking this can't be happening and this is not going to last and we can hold on, but they couldn't hold on because the stock went from $17 to $480 at its peak, something like that. And that obviously would bankrupt most companies to lose essentially $470 per share on a massive stock holding. So yeah, they don't have like unlimited liquidity. No, that's right. And you've seen the story play out in other forms. I mean, there was another hedge fund that a few years back was 100% invested in natural gas. And then the natural gas price went the other way. And then they put out a YouTube video apologizing to all of their shareholders for bankrupting the company and and everyone losing their money for sure. Losing all their money. Exactly. Anyways, so Gil, the star of the story, Roaring Kitty, and his followers, they maintain their hold of the stock is what he wants. Diamond hands, have these diamond hands. And when this hold continues, and I should say along the way, he is sharing his personal wealth numbers with the followers. So people can see that he put $53,000 into GameStop and at one point was worth, I don't even know, it was like 40 million or like it was a big number, right? But what does it lead to? It leads to... Robinhood, the trading platform, being faced with SEC complaints and just the mass media themselves. Meanwhile, the board, our Wall Street Bets, is maintaining momentum, showing the rigged system at play, as they say. And that is until Robinhood makes a last-ditch effort to freeze user accounts to prevent the stock hold. Like, okay, I just kind of went through a very complicated situation there, and I didn't do a good job explaining it. Basically, what happened is behind the scenes... There were people trying to figure out what to do. And one of the things they could do was allow the liquidity of the stock to continue or not. And because Citadel, that hedge fund, was linked to Robinhood, the trading platform, there is this idea that behind the scenes, Citadel made Robinhood freeze user accounts or trading ability. Mm -hmm. That's where I was going with that. I yeah. just didn't do a good job of explaining yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Unlike the big short where 
that scene that I'm thinking about, they do an excellent job of explaining collateralized debt obligations. Exactly. <laughs> and anybody who wants to know what we're talking about, just go watch The Big Short. Because Are we recommending a, The Big Short? Absolutely. Actually, it's a, it's a much better movie than this one. And it's an excellent movie for trying to understand what happened during the greatest financial crisis of most of our lives, the global financial crisis. To date. To date, exactly. <laughs> so as I mentioned, listen, GameStop's price went from $20 or whatever it was in, on January the 8th. And by the end of January, I think it was January 29th, over $400, maybe touching 483 briefly. And it was just massive run up and, of course, a massive decline following it. But you can see how it works because greed kicks in. Of course. If you put in $20 and now it's worth $480 and somebody says you should sell that, you'd say, well, why? I mean, I'm up like a lot. And, and it actually shows the naivete of Gil in this case who says, I'm not selling, I'm diamond hands because you just had to think about it. Well, how does a company that's fundamentally worth Nothing, or the bottom line is the company was on the brink of some financial distress. How to think that all of a sudden it's worth $480 a share when it was worth $17 a share three weeks earlier. So it is sort of naive to think that the value is there and it takes you back to the good old days of the tech bubble where people were justifying wildly elevated stock prices with no fundamental basis for it. Or weed stocks a few years back. for sure. I mean, you had companies that had no earnings that were trading at high multiples that literally had no earnings, you Mm -hmm. know? So it's just a thematic thing, right? That that happens. So the second half of the movie of Dumb Money is very similar in tone to the movie The Big Short, except this time it's the big, rich people, the big hedge funds who are getting worried. Because this is when Robinhood platform begins halting trades on the app, in order to cover their debts, blocking the stock trade was the most logical option because they had to pay some debts to the Securities and Exchange Commission. And the blockade leaves the forum people, the Wall Street Bets board, basically in a state of disarray and uncertainty. Like at one point, they're frozen out of it. They can't do anything, right? You know, they can't access their Robinhood accounts. They Mm -hmm. can't trade the stocks that they own. And things go from bad to worse for our star, Keith, he gets served with some papers as he's on his way home and everyone's actions begin to fall under the scrutiny of the Securities and Exchange Commission as an investigation begins into what exactly is happening here. And you would expect an investigation in that situation. If a stock goes up from $20 to $480 in three weeks with no fundamental change to the company, somebody's going to be looking at it. Yeah, that's right. And the regulators always well, look, whenever there's any kind of sudden and extreme volatility in a stock, and in this case, GameStop stock, that always prompts scrutiny from the regulators and leads to some sort of trading restrictions by a variety of brokerage firms, including Robinhood in this case. When the firms have regulatory responsibilities to maintain capital requirements and things like that, and when you get that kind of extreme volatility, then the regulators have to step in. The whole event raised a lot of questions about market manipulation, the power of retail investors in influencing stock prices, the ethics of short selling, and the role of social media in financial markets. Because when you think about it, I mean, first of all, you've got the short sellers who are selling the stock that they don't own, pushing the price down. In many cases, the short sellers are publishing research reports that are justifying why they're selling short because they publish reports that suggest that they think their company's going under, which obviously 
gets other people to sell their stock for fear that it's correct. And so you can argue that short sellers are manipulating the market by short selling and putting downward selling pressure. The the buyers, in this case, a massive group of small investors are manipulating the price up, not because of fundamental reasons, but because they want to, A, stick it to the man, in this case, as you say, and B, greed. Greed, for sure. If you can buy something for 17 or $20 and sell it for 400 who wouldn't want to get on that bandwagon? Yeah, but look at all the capital gain tax you're going to have oh, to pay. Oh, that's true. Yeah, good point. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of, too, is years ago at another firm, when I started my career, one of the companies that was always on the buy list, because we always get these buy lists, yep. right, yep. was Yellow Pages. Oh, yeah. It was always in the buy list. Like, this is a stock you should think about buying for your clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never really understood it, but everybody back in the day was like, well, who doesn't use Yellow Pages? I mean, they own AutoTrader. Who doesn't use AutoTrader, right? Like it was, it's a no-brainer, you yeah, know? that's right. And I remember reading this report from one analyst and he talked about how, why don't you count the number of pages in a Yellow Pages phone book and compare it to the number of pages from five years ago? And you'll notice that the number of pages is going down. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. What's interesting, again, not to pick on people making stock recommendations, but it's always, it seems, to be the the last gasp of a dying sector. So Yellow Pages, strongly recommended, top pick among many analysts for years. And, and here we are 10, 15 years later, and the Yellow Pages don't exist. And I think I've told the story when I started in the business in 1996, the company I worked for at the time published single best investment idea for 1996. And it was Moore Business Forms. Oh, yeah. That's not a buy and hold stock, you know, in 1996. You've got the internet is booming. I mean, today you've got DocuSign. Documents are all being done online. You can buy a house online. You can buy a house online. (laughs) So maybe we should stay away from single best ideas going forward. Well, let's get back to the movie. I want to wrap this up in good time. So in the show, which is a real life event, Gil, the character, I mean, he has to testify in Congress, right? And some of the hedge fund managers also have to testify. And what ends up happening is what you would expect. The hedge fund managers kind of get a slap on the wrist. Nothing really bad happens to them. The Robin Hood founders lose control of their company. And meanwhile, the Wall Street Bets community continues to hold on to their shares because Mr. Gill or Keith, as he's testifying in Congress, he manages to prove his innocence and He says he's just going to keep holding the stock. He's going to have diamond hands. And so the film ends with Keith returning to where the movie began. And it's just him running on an empty track, getting back to the normalcy in his life. And it basically ends with nobody really knows what he's up to these days. He's stepped away from public eye and they don't know how much money he has or how many shares he continues to hold and how this story will forever change how Wall Street and the general public view each other. And I just don't believe that to be true. No, and as we said at the outset, who talks about it anymore, other than us on our podcast, of course, and the people who produce the movie, Dumb Money. But it's not a factor right now. Could something like this happen again? Sure, it could. But it seemed to be a point in time where things came together. People were sitting at home on their computers. Robinhood launched the ability for investors to trade theoretically commission-free, and it was like a perfect storm. And weird things will probably happen again, 
maybe in this business, maybe in others. But yeah, I don't believe either that this has changed Wall Street permanently. I think that also for every person that tells me, yeah, but it's different now, when they talk about the stock market, world events, how it's different now, we have to adapt. And I keep telling them, the people, that it's not different. It's just the headlines are different. That's right. As you talk about, some of these opportunities can come up for very short periods of time, and then the market takes care of them, right? So this is just something that came up that a small group of people were able to capitalize on. And I hope for their sake, most of them got out ahead. You hope so. Although, as we know, there's a seller for every buyer and vice versa. And so somebody bought at the top and whoever bought at the top did not get out whole. I watched another movie the other night. I tend to watch it about once every two or three years. Wall Street. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. I mean, I don't love the story, but I don't know what I love about it. But there's some great lines in there. And Gordon Gecko, GG, Mm -hmm. as he's talking to Bud Fox, says it's a zero-sum game. Yeah. And you and I have talked about this. You just mentioned it. Like for every buyer, there's a seller. Yep. What are we really creating? Anyways, that's getting kind of deep. But let's wrap it up here with getting back to the beginning of our conversation. As I was talking to my friend about the complexity of the investment world, let's just say it is complex. Nobody expects you to know everything. I mean, I don't know how to change the oil in my car. I'm not afraid to admit that. I'm sure it's fairly straightforward, but I can go somewhere where they're experts and they can do it much more quickly than I can. And I probably won't mess anything up. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) And for anyone who wonders what we're talking about, go back and listen to our episode on do-it-yourselfers. Do-it-yourselfers, yeah. All right. Well, I guess that wraps it up for today, eh? Yep, you bet. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Free Lunch Podcast hosted by the CM Group. To subscribe to this podcast to get more realistic insights on investing or to connect with one of our talented partners, please head on over to markets-work.com. We'll see you next time on the Free Lunch Podcast. The CIBC logo and CIBC Private Wealth are registered trademarks of CIBC. If you are currently a CIBC with Gundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Private Wealth consists of services provided by CIBC and its subsidiaries, including CIBC Woodgundy, a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc. CIBC Private Wealth is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Woodgundy is a registered trademark of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Cohen Andrews and Greg Kaminsky are investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy. This information, including any opinion, is based on various sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy cannot be guaranteed and is subject to change. CIBC and CIBC World Markets, Inc., their affiliates, directors, officers, and employees may buy, sell, or hold a position in securities of a company mentioned herein, its affiliates, or subsidiaries, and may also perform financial advisory services, investment banking, or other services for or have lending or other credit relationships with the same. CIBC World Markets, Inc. and its representatives will receive sales commissions and or a spread between bid and ask prices if you purchase, sell, or hold the securities referred to above. CIBC World Markets, Inc. 2024.